Welcome to the Celebration Community Church Podcast, where we exist to meet God, grow in Him, and serve through Him. Welcome back to the Celebration Community Church Podcast. I am Nathan. I am without my co-captain, um, Derek Mayfield, today because he's doing things like being a dad. But I am have the pleasure of having the Klimas, Jordan and Natalie, uh, with me today. Natalie's been on the podcast before talking about the, the Bible, I, I think. And then Jordan and Natalie have both appeared on the Encounter podcast, which let me give you just a... a plug for that. If you haven't listened to that before and you want to listen to a podcast way better than this one, then that is a great choice. Jordan, Natalie, how are you doing today? Doing great. Well, thanks. Good. So before we uh, get started, obviously you two are married. What is your favorite thing about being married to each other? Uh, I think my favorite thing about Natalie is just her drive and passion to be bettering herself on a daily basis she's trying to learn more she's trying to learn something new she's uh she's practicing worship you know all of these things that she's just constantly trying to get better um expand her skill sets all of these things uh that's just something really cool to see her grow even over the past three years we've been married so listener Jordan looks smitten right now, so I just hope that you know that. Audio podcast cannot like cover the the sort of like birds. It, I thought you were about to burst into song. Honestly, oh, that, was, that was good. It was I, pretty close. Mm-hmm. I'm not detracting from that because that was really a passionate thing. But I just want to make sure that people see the gravity of your love. Okay. okay? <laughs> so, Natalie, how about you? Um, I think that for those people that know Jordan well um, have been able to see how much he wants others to learn and he just is a natural teacher. I don't think that he intentionally, you know, like goes out of his way to be like, oh, I think this person should learn this thing. It's it's um, just an organic part of who he is. It's part of his, his job as well. And I think that um, he wants people to do well and succeed and like give them the tools that they need to be able to do things like that. And, um, I I knew that he was like that in his job. Um, he's a bank examiner for anyone that doesn't know. Um, so I knew that he was teaching and training and doing those things within his job. But then I've seen that in terms of him discipling other young men and things like that within our church that um, I just kind of realized that's a very kind of core part of who he is. Yeah. It's less of like just him not having boundaries in between work and life, but he has a personality that is just like welcoming people Mm -hmm. into a way of being in the world that's a little different, a little better. I like that a lot. I I have been very grateful to have people like that in my life, and I hope to be like that for people as well. So very admirable. I was going to ask, like, what do you not like about one another? But I feel like this is way better. (laughs) We can give you a quick one. We can give you a quick one. Okay. Um, No below the belt stuff, okay? Maybe a a little pet peeve about living together or something. I'll let you go first. Well, honestly, I was going to answer for both of us. Okay. Which maybe that's one of you. I like that. Um, no, we. How about we get this? In tiffs because- what does Jordan get frustrated about yeah, with you? That I leave things on the counter as a reminder for me to put them away, <laughs> and in turn, I hate that he puts my things. Uh, where they don't belong just to get them out of sight because then I forget about them. Yeah, like, companies example. coming over, they can't let them know we live here. Yeah. You know, I borrow, I borrow coffee cups from the church and I leave them on the counter so that I remember to take them with me on Wednesday and I open my cleaning closet and I'm like, I've had that cup for four weeks. Where was, why wasn't it on the yes. counter? And, and it goes both ways, right? She gets yeah. frustrated that I put it away and I get frustrated when she leaves it out. So yeah. there we are. See, M- Margaret and I are the same, except for I don't leave it out in a way that's clean. I just like throw my stuff. <laughs> I just like the floor. Yeah. Okay. But I'll remember, <laughs> I remember where it is right. if it's on the floor like that. Right. Uh, all the times that I actually try to be like industrious and put things away, I don't have like set places for things. Mm-hmm. So one of the funny things about like our house is 
one of the three phone wallet keys is going to be lost multiple times a day <laughs> and a lot of our time before going somewhere is me trying to figure out where one of those mm. is. I, i'm getting a little bit better about that but i would say probably 60 percent of the time i get into my vehicle i back it out and I'm like shoot i forgot something <laughs> i'll yeah. go run back in yeah. but Okay, so what's uh, what is the thing that Natalie would be frustrated at with you? Is hmm. it that is it that I same think it's thing? the same thing? Yeah. Same. yeah, I do think it's the same thing. Yeah, and then I, I don't know. I think like there's little small things, you know, like if I get in my car and she drove it last, you know, sometimes like the car will be <laughs> like I'll almost like knock myself out because it's closer to the steering wheel, you know, all these things. So oh, there's little oh, there's little annoyances, yeah. but I would say a majority of the big things I feel like we we worked through. So. No. That's a that's a good deal. Margaret and I are the same way. We have a foot in height that separates us. So <laughs> if I am going to get squashed, and we have a, like a 2018 van, so it has like programmable um, like Settings. seat distances and, and stuff like that. And sometimes it will just go off of Margaret's key fob instead of mine. So I'll start like slowly going toward my doom, no. like pressed up against the the, the seat. So this is or, how they felt in Star Wars yes. episode it's, five it's, with the trash compactor. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. It is episode four. Four. You're I right. Tell You're you. right. It is episode four. You can't Sorry, say that in front of a big of fan. Turn. Last I week I said I'm a big fan of Star Wars. Yes. So. I, I would say Jordan I'm a I'm a great well. fan of one through three. I I didn't spend as much time on four through six. I don't know. It may have just been my my generation. So I, my apologies. You guys are the same generation. <laughs> I know, I know. But he also maybe well, have watched that growing to be, up. To be but. fair, okay. if I was going to go get something from Blockbuster, it was going to be Star Wars Episode Four through Six. Mm -hmm. No matter how many times sure. I had seen it before, okay. like there's that just that familiarity of like I know what's gonna happen. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And then my parents got me the trilogy on VHS, and then I stopped going to Blockbuster. It was like. Don't need to go anymore. I've, yeah. I've already got them. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. So you you both have worked in financial sectors. Mm -hmm. I know that you're not currently doing something like explicitly financial, Natalie, but um, maybe something like adjacent to mm -hmm. that as well. And, and your... Uh, your undergraduate training was in finance. Is that correct? Yeah, I did ag business and ag minored business. in finance. Okay, so so you, we're talking about the the idea in the Sticks and Stones series today that the church just wants my money, mm -hmm. and I, I think that that you two have have shown a, a vested interest in trying to help people pursue a more like integrated faith and finance, yes. realizing that like faith is supposed to be something that's transformational for all parts of us and not for just some parts that we want to give to God and then like do some things the way that we either have learned it or just want to do it, pursuing just, you know, passions without really thinking of that. So th this is why I, I wanted to include you two in, in this conversation. And I am not terribly like good at, at thinking about finances from um, from a, a spiritual standpoint. So uh, I want to just like have a conversation about this and, and hear your guys' expertise and your and your thoughts and and obviously the the way that God has um, has kind of re revealed like what a better way to to think about money to think about these sorts of questions around money is. Um, and the first thing that I want to do is I th I'm really glad that I'm not preaching on any of these sermon series because I would be like, yeah, I mean, this is true. Like you've seen this, you've seen <laughs> yeah. Christians at I, our worst exactly yes. like this. There are lots of us, myself included. I am often hypocritical. I am often cr criticizing churches because like, oh, it's just about money. I, mm -hmm. these are, these are things that have a hint of, of truth to them. So like where, where do we see the church at, at its worst in terms of money? Yeah, I would, I would say, um, like you said, there is a very 
real vein of truth in, in this. Um, and I think it's always rooted in obviously specific instances and they tend to take that out of the grand scheme of the context, right? right. And say, we're focusing on this, but um, I haven't been uh, in any direct experience, I would say uh, with a place that I've, I've seen my church home, um, but I have seen maybe some larger churches, um, maybe what we would consider mega churches, right? Yep. That seem to focus a little bit on, on the growth initiatives, right? So right. growth for growth's sake. Um, budget goals, um, funding initiatives can kind of bend and distort the original purpose of the push, sure. right? To maybe get, get another location, get another satellite branch. I, I think some churches in that rapid growth phase of their church uh, church's story sometimes focus a little bit more on the growth of the number of people in the church and maybe not necessarily about the depth of their relationship with Jesus. Yeah. Um, but kind of on the flip side of that, and I kind of want to take this question and flip it a little bit because yeah. uh, like on the flip side is, is to put it back on the congregation here. So if people uh, think that the church just wants my money, um, or if they think that that's the expectation, um, that that they can think that their opinion matters more uh, if they have a bigger tithe, mm, yeah. right? Um, and so I, I've seen this at its worst uh, when it comes to uh, church issues and church discipline. Um, specifically, uh, again, I didn't have any direct contact with this, but kind of just from the outside looking yeah. in, um, I, I've heard about several people at other churches in my hometown uh, where person was uh, that was really well off uh, would approach the elder board or would approach the senior pastor and say, I want this particular initiative to happen, right. or I want you to preach this way. And they would almost feel like their opinion holds more weight because they hold the bigger portion of the donations. That yeah, month, yeah. Right? I mean, it's, it's pretty difficult to balance that, I imagine. Mm -hmm. I'm not really involved in our finances any more than like... You know, obviously I receive my paycheck from here and then I have a budget line that I get very, very scared about spending sure. <laughs> because I want to I want to steward people's money well. I don't feel like frivolous spending or something like that is is a good idea. But yeah, I certainly see how someone could could think I have this financial like contribution to the church and there's therefore my opinion should carry more weight. That could be a really dangerous way to to think about the hierarchy that we allow to to happen within a church. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think I think it's really the way that it's like the societal expectation, right? So it's kind of the mindset that I paid more for this product, yeah. right? We're seeing church as a product here, but yeah. but then the other guys, so I expect good service. Right. Yeah. Uh, but some congregants also have this perceived generosity of a person, you know, if they know that they've given a really big gift or, you know, that or you perceive the fact that they have a very big uh, salary or something and that they're tithing appropriately, um, you know, it, it's they kind of get that. Um, err on the side of that person. If there's ever conflict, they're going to say, "Okay, I'm going to side with this person because they're generous." But hmm. that's yeah. not the only thing that would that would <laughs> di dictate how closely they are walking with Christ. Yeah, right. Certainly, certainly. Yeah. yeah. Um. I I think that it's. I mean, you can you can Google anything, and I I was googling <laughs> right. the other day because I've heard I've heard stories about you know pastors embezzling money and all of those kinds of things, and I think that. It is really difficult because whether we like, which we might talk about this later as well, whether we like it or not, money is something that we should be stewarding. And I think that it, mm. you know, for me personally, and I know for Jordan as well, that's something that we we hold really closely to us um, in terms of like our spiritual practices and what we feel like we're called to do. Um, we don't think that that's specific to us. We no. think that's, you know, true to, to all believers. But I think that, you know, um, mm. it's kind of something money in general can kind of be something that, um, maybe believers kind of put on the back burner, like, oh, it doesn't really matter that much. If I'm not doing obviously sinful things with my money, like, you know, I don't know, whatever, like, yeah. right, the, whatever, the whatever you think is mm -hmm. obviously yeah. sinful with your money, you know, like if I'm, if I'm going to like get a sonic drink, like that's obviously not sinful with my money. Right. right. But, um, I think that, you know, there, there are those, I don't, I don't want to say worse. It's not worse. It's, it's like maybe bigger, um, situations like the pastors embezzling money, like things like yeah. that happen, but also, um, we're, the church is also human and, yeah. and we're going to sin. And 
I mean, you can see examples that directly involves money. You can see examples of not even only pastors, but people in leadership as well that have fallen in other ways um, that that's kind of put on display. And I think that, um, yeah, the conversation about money really, it does matter. And I think that it's, it, it could be um, really easily, it's a fine line. It's a really kind of gray area because I think it's really easy, you know, as Jordan was saying to, um, to, for a church to say, oh, we are going to do this initiative. Um, and we think that this thing really matters a lot and we need to raise all these funds and do all these things. And it, and it quickly becomes more about the money, um, and the church kind of running as a business even more than it does, um, you know, in terms of getting people to know Jesus and walk with Jesus, be like Jesus. And, and, um, I think that the focus can quickly get pulled into, um, a negative view of, of money. Yeah. It's certainly fair to say that the church does not reflect the practices of Acts 2, nor I don't think, is it possible or even realistic to, to think that we're going to go back to a sort of co-op society Mm. in the, in the midst of like first century Israel, Palestine sort of, sort of things that seems like not like a contextual understanding of what it means to be spiritual in Mm. 2021, you know, with cars and cell phones and (laughs) like imminent doom seeming to be everywhere and stuff like that. I mean, one of the things I guess that I that I find really problematic, and I, I'm curious to hear your kind of um, opinions on this, is that one of the ways I think that the church is at its worst is it thinks too individualistically mm. in terms of like policy r- regarding money. You know, we're supposed to um, be able to treat people who are are marginalized the least of these yeah. as as Christ would be and it really pains me to see even people who are who are very personally generous um deciding like in in really tough ways and and not giving like the benefit of the doubt to to people who are are down on their luck in in terms of social policy and and mm. stuff like that um it really pains me to see that oftentimes our churches are, are made up of, of people with, um, with people who have lost compassion yeah. toward, um, toward those who don't look like us, who don't behave like us, who don't believe like us. Right. I mean, I think that those are, are really important aspects of, of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I think the life of Jesus welcomed um, people first and then had life change afterwards. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that it's too easy to be a critic here. Mm-hmm. I actually like didn't like this question, but I think it sets it up fairly well because like there's, there's truth to it. There's right. truth that there are some places who have decided that money will be the real like <laughs> turning point or a point of contention around um how how church is is done and everything but i think that if if we if we really do say that premise is, that is true that like an encounter with jesus or belonging to the covenant community for started by jesus really should change the way that we view everything right I mean, money and, and the way that we mo- use money and the way that we, we use money in, in this country should reflect that that value, the values of Jesus, the values of the church, um, obviously in its context. So, um, you know, the scriptures are not silent on on how we should use money at all. Far from it, <laughs> Far, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, I mean, like, you're not going to see a lot of money stuff in Revelation, other than maybe some critiques from Jesus right. to some of the churches. But but just as, like, a, a very quick survey of, of the Bible, what are some things that that the Bible says concerning how we ought to use money? Yeah, so real quick before we even hit like the Old Testament, there there are over 2000 verses in in the Bible about money, contentment, greed, yeah. generosity, etc. So, we just went through and kind of picked a couple of our favorites that really capture we feel like the flavor of of the Bible's view of of money and how we're meant to handle it. Yeah. Yeah. Um I have some Old Testament examples. So, um 
I mean, I think that Proverbs talks a lot also about, um, you know, our, our efforts and, and not being lazy and things like that, which can relate back to money. But, um, so Proverbs three, nine says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all of your crops. Proverbs 10, four says lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. And, um, I think that there are also examples of, of generosity. Exodus twenty two twenty five says, if you lend money to one of my people among you who is needy, do not treat it like a business deal, charge no interest. Deuteronomy fifteen seven says, if anyone is poor among your fellow Israelites in any of the towns of the land that the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards them. And then I think also, this is just a, kind of a story that I think of, and it, it doesn't, again, this is, you know, money, um, this is a stewardship kind of thing as well. So you're probably going to hear me talk about stewarding a lot as well, because if you just talk about money for money's sake, it's a currency, Mm -hmm. you know, all it does is, is purchase things. Um, and so I think that it feels weightier to me to talk about, you know, stewardship. And and there are things related to currency that are simply outside of the locus of the individual's control. Mm -hmm. I mean, inflation is, is an obvious, very important thing that's happening right now that is really putting a strain on the normal, uh, you know, middle-class working class kind of, kind of families. So this is not divorced from that context, but I think that when you talk about it as, as stewardship and that, that accounts for the evolution and and the flux that yeah. is uh, encapsulated within this conversation really yeah. well. Um, I really was thinking about the story of of Joseph, and so when when the Lord gives him a dream, and you know, um, it talks about you can go read it, but it talks about like the seven years of mm-hmm. uh, there's seven good years and seven years of famine, and and Joseph is put in charge um, to help steward that, um, in the land so that people wouldn't starve. And so I think that that is something that matters in this conversation as well. Um, because, you know, maybe it was directly like grains and things like that in the actual harvest that they were stewarding. But, um, I mean, that includes, you know, like trading and bartering and things like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So first Timothy also, you know, as we get into the New Testament, like those, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and have a trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. That's first Timothy six, nine through 10. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in first Timothy nine sixteen, command those who are rich in this present world, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And then uh, Hebrews 13.5 tells us, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And then obviously the big one that Pastor Brant brought up at the end of his sermon was 2 Corinthians 9.7. Each one of you must give as he has decided to give in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Right. And I think all of those just really, really preach to us how dangerous money can be, but also how much of a blessing it can be um, in the grand scheme of our of, of our church and the grand uh, the grandeur of of the church at large, right? And right. and who we can be and how we can show Jesus just by using the blessings that He given that He's given us to bless others. Yeah, I think just a note on like extrapolating the Bible to today. Uh, oftentimes, a really helpful category of talking is prescriptive versus descriptive. Prescriptive meaning um, this is talking about something that you should do, whereas this is describing something that. Um, would have been contextually relevant. I think about the the whole idea of like um, Ananias in Acts, and they just like dropped dead on the spot because they they said that they gave something and and ended up not doing that. That's a descriptive thing, but that doesn't mean that we don't need to wrestle with that and see right. what what does that mean for me? How am I Ananias in the ways that I do not love God with my whole heart and mm-hmm really with my checkbook, right? right? Um, 
And prescriptive things may not mean that we actually have to do them. We're not an agrarian society right now. So like bringing up actual like hunks of meat might not be the the best sort of thing. We don't have a a ritual sacrifice sort of system. Um, But it, it it doesn't necessarily mean that it's not relevant. us it means that what we have to do is we have to see okay this is this is where god is in the midst of this and kind of extrapolate right we have to project long down the road sometimes three thousand years down the road to where we are today in the midst of this highly technical highly uh, i think that in a lot of ways finances are, are kind of gate kept away from the average people of really being able to understand mm-hmm. what what is possible what helps to make like a life abundant mm-hmm. um and, and and we've got to figure out and reconcile that with with the way that the spirit is speaking now in the context of our local community geographic and and church body as well um Suffice it to say, the Bible has lots to say yes. about the money. I was really hoping that you were going to read the woe to all the rich of James 5. Uh, I mean, yeah. it's, <laughs> uh, I, I, it's important it's to me. It's out of context there. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's important to me that you mentioned the love of money um, being the root of all evil and not money being the root of all evil. Um, one of the things that, that can be really off-putting is this idea of demonizing someone who is opulent and and i don't think that the bible does that you know the um the church in ephesus is is founded by a woman who is incredibly affluent Mm -hmm. but she uses what she has been given in order to meet the needs of her community and that's a really an important sort of thing i don't think that any of us regardless of what tax bracket we fall into are let off the hook in terms of of anything that we talk about today Uh, what about Jesus specifically? Are there are there some things that that Jesus says uh, just outside of kind of the the things that are reconciling Jesus uh, with <laughs> the rest of the Old Testament that we see in the epistles? Um, what what does Jesus say about money? Yeah, I I wrote down three. Um, I almost said verses. It's more than three verses. Uh, three different sections. Yeah. Uh, so Matthew six twenty four says, "No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other." Or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Luke 12, 33 through 34. Sell your possessions, give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old with a treasure in heaven that does not fail where no thief approaches and no moth destroys for where your treasure is there. Your heart will be also. And then Luke twelve fifteen, And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Yeah. Thank you. So clearly, I mean, throughout the the narrative of the scriptures, we're we're meant to reconcile with this idea that that money is is really an important thing in terms of how we approach it in our Christian life. I think the the example for me that that is is so nice with with Jesus is the um, the woman who has like two copper coins or whatever. And, right. and he says that she is the most blessed because she has given all that she has. Right. Yeah. She has not only um, done something that inconveniences her, but mm-hmm. she is, is really uh, living out a faithfulness to say that I am reliant on God yeah. in right. this way. I, I cannot substantially rely on this financial thing that, that may never come again. You know, we don't get to hear the the outcome of that story, but... I think that, the beautiful thing in that is that she's giving up all source of her own comfort. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. and so, like, being fully reliant on, on Christ as her comfort and as as who she needs, right? Yep. And, and I, I think that's just a beautiful thing to be able to say that, God, I, I truly trust you in everything because yeah. this is all I have. Yeah, it's it's certainly a, a perspective that I can't honestly say that I've ever done from mm-hmm. a financial standpoint. Mm-hmm. You know, there are those those things about the way that I have grown up that's like, oh, you always need to have your safety net. You always mm-hmm. need to have yeah. this sort of thing in case of an emergency. Um, and I don't think that that means to just like make a rash decision to be like, right. okay, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to live out this zeal in a way that really puts 
me and mine in danger of, yeah. of not being able to, you know, provide. Um, so, you know, balancing a very fine line in here, let's talk practicality. Like, how do we go about looking at our finances today in a, a very spiritual way? Sure. So obviously, you know, like that kind of goes, that resorts to me to spiritual disciplines. You yep. know, what, what does it look like for um, us to integrate giving and, and the spiritual spiritual um, disciplines in that, in that vein? Um, tithing really is a spiritual discipline, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you literally, it literally means taking a tenth minimum uh, of what you make and, and giving that to the church right. um, and God's work locally or at large, right? Um as we just got through several of those verses, right? right. Um, speaking about money, there are so many verses that speak to having finances lead to destruction and undue attachment and, mm-hmm. and just becoming reliant on ourselves for our comfort. Right. Um, the, the story that comes to mind is the rich young ruler, right? That, that was asked to go and sell all of his possessions, not because everybody should do that, right? right. Is because his possessions had him. Right. Yeah. Like he, because like when he was overly attached to them, hence why he was so upset when he had to go and sell them all. Right. Um, and so he obviously had this undue attachment to all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there are people who make good money in the church, but money only makes you more of what you already are. Um, and, and so if you're a good, generous person, you tend to get even more so when you when you become wealthy or affluent, right? right? Uh, but if you're bitter and a stingy person, it'll probably make you even worse and, and even more so that way as well. Yeah. So um, I, I think using money that God has blessed us with in, in community is so crucial and, and I believe um, is one of the key reasons for community so we can help support each other in times of need. Yeah. yeah. And I think that like, you know, when before we start talking about behaviors, what we do, right? We we have to start talking about what we value, um, and and I think the whole idea of spiritual disciplines is to do things in in a way that helps us to value the things that God tells us to more. And I almost think of like the fruit of the spirit, and in a really good way as like these behaviors, whatever I put into my life, should help me to be more loving. And if, mm-hmm. if I just say, okay, I'm going to look at my life from a financial standpoint. It's not a consummate look at who I am, but how do I love God and others with my finances? Mm-hmm. How do I express joy mm-hmm. with my finances? How am I at peace with right. these? And, and, you know, one of those things is, is really self-control. Right. Um, I, I resonate a lot with that idea that... Um, Affluence is a magnifier of what is already true, right. because it gives you a little bit more power mm-hmm. to to do something. So if I am a frivolous spender, right. I am a frivolous spender <laughs> a lot of times. Um, that will make me even more frivolous. Right. So what I have to actually do is do the really difficult work of figuring out what I value. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know who said it. It was probably... Uh, someone that was preaching and he's probably quoting another person, but just like showing someone your bank statement because we don't really do checkbooks anymore or something like that. Showing where that money goes Mm -hmm. shows you what you value. And Mm -hmm. I think, I think that's true. I think that resonates with me a lot. Um, So tithing, you've, you've talked about the idea that this is at least a 10th Mm -hmm. and this comes from the practice um, first set up in the old Testament, which would have been more agrarian sort of things, a 10th of the livestock, a 10th, a 10th of um, the fruits of, of the harvest. Um, And, and that was for a specific reason that was to be able to, in some ways, feed the Levites who were doing their priestly duties, Mm -hmm. which, uh, which was an important thing uh, to do. So how do when we extrapolate like tithing to today what are what are we saying when we give money to the church what do you what do you think about that so I think, um, you know, on the, the whole 10% rule, you know, I, I think that's kind of that, that baseline. Um, the nice thing about our church is we have like this automatic thing, you know, of your salary, you know, it's pretty, pretty right. easy. It's almost like in and out and you never even notice it's there. And I think that that has also kind of get, relieves the burden of having to like 
open your fist every time, you know what I mean? You know, <laughs> sure. but obviously yeah. your, your heart becomes, um, more programmed to be mm. generous, become generous yeah. in that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I know like you had some, some other things, uh, as well. So I'll go ahead and let you go. Um, yeah, I think that it's tithing, I think more today. Um, obviously it's, we're giving back to the church and like old Testament was, you know, to, like you said, like the Levites and the temple and everything. But like, um, the idea would be giving back to the church. But I think also kind of similarly to what Jordan said, I think that, um, that ask helps keep us, um, attentive to the fact that our money isn't our own. Mm, And, um, I think that it's, yeah, it's a good reminder for, for us that, that however much money, and I, I think, you know, like you said, or actually, I don't remember which one of you said it, but we were talking, um, it, it doesn't matter where you land on the tax bracket. Like that's, it's not like, it's not like God is saying like, oh, if you're above this amount, you have to give, you know, (laughs) there's no tax break. Right. Right. There's not, (laughs) there's not a tax break. And then there's also, you know, it's anyone can be, can be generous. And I think that 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 tithe is just the reminder that that it's not our own. And um, I mean, I feel like God is like the ask is 10%. It could be more, you know? Sure. Um, But I think that, that, yeah, that's a, that's a good reminder for us just that um, we need to, you have to steward your money well to be able to kind of accommodate for the, the 10% as well. Yeah. So the way that I think about, tithing as I think about it as the church pooling its resources together mm-hmm. to meet the needs of the community that gathers. And obviously there are operating costs for having right. a building so large as this and mm-hmm. <laughs> budgets to, to maintain the different ministries. But that also should point outwards as well in right. terms of serving the needs of our local community and, and our global community because we're more connected than we ever have been in the history of ever, you know, we have five, six devices in this room that are able to see what is happening halfway across the world Mm -hmm. in, in the blink of an eye, which is fairly remarkable, but it it can also really take us away from having these really difficult conversations about like how we should value money. But you, you brought up a good point that I think is a great segue as, as well. You know, if we're, if we're to automatically look at our our salaries and do a quick calculation of here's 10%, you know, living off of 90% of, of what you make is, is certainly a, 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 a different thing that we do as Christians that people outside of the fold typically don't attempt to do. So how does like budgeting, how would, how would organizing the way that you spend your money in a way that that would be valuable as a Christian, how how do you two go about doing that for your household? Yeah, so I I think really where the rubber hits the road, which Natalie has said several times, is just we have to become better stewards of our finances, right? So unfortunately, though, the education system uh, as a whole has really failed us in this, right? Um, The only reason both Natalie and I know as much as we do uh, is because we studied it at some level in college um, and became big Dave Ramsey fans, right? So (laughs) like, so I'm 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 probably gonna hit home with some of our listeners right now, but which may come off a bit harsh, but I'm. I'm going to say it anyway, but if, sure. if you're listening to this podcast and you have a $500 plus a month car payment and a $2,000 plus a month mortgage, but you're not tithing or giving to the homeless or giving to the poor consistently, you know, like your priority is a little out of order, right? You know, like you're, you're starting to see that, that you are, you're placing material goods and consumerism. Um, and you're get, you've gotten yourself into a situation where you don't feel like you have the ability to tithe or give, you know, that, that's, that, that means you're starting to, you know, have to check your heart a little bit and say, okay, am I prioritizing material goods and consumerism over for the work of God in the church. Yeah, and I think that's a, that can be a really gentle conversation to have, mm-hmm. um, but it means a lot, mm-hmm. right? It, it means that in in a lot of ways, you know, finances are a way; they are mm-hmm. not the way to show God that we value the, the things that He has done in in our lives and in our community. Um, but but it certainly goes to 
examine ourselves to be like, are all these subscriptions that I have or, or something like that, that, that I've decided, oh, I can't, I can't part with this. Right. You know, that is, that is what I value. That's what I honor. If I choose that over other things that, that may end up making my life more meaningful. I, I might right. say, um, that, but that's certainly worth considering, but continue, please. Yeah, so uh, I think it really all starts with our mindset toward money, uh, seeing our money and our talents as and skill sets that make us that money, right, uh, as blessings from God, right? Like, now this is speaking from a recovering, pretty tight-fisted fella, okay? Like, I was, <laughs> Natalie has been great for me and, and testing my heart and motives and my generosity over the last three years we've been married, um, but but this mindset, like every talent, every skill, every dollar, every asset Natalie and I have, right, as a couple are blessings directly from God. And and, and we are meant to be as generous with those gifts as um, as we are allowed to and, uh, and allows us to be more open-fisted with our finances. But a re- another really, really big point, I think, that, that everybody on this podcast needs to hear is do not get trapped in the cultural river of instant gratification consumerism. Okay, so it seems like nearly everything today it costs over a hundred dollars is quoted to you in monthly payments, right? So it's our phones, our vehicles, our furniture, our appliances, our homes, everything, right? So some people argue about zero percent loans, you know, oh, low interest consumer loans are cheaper, you know, and like, and they said that they'll invest the difference, but I would say eighty percent right. of people don't. Uh, the, really, the borrower is slave to the lender, right? That's that's in Proverbs, and and so as you do that and you assign away your future income. Um, you have less ability to be able to be generous and to be able to meet the needs uh, of those around you. Um, it's okay to nice have nice things, but it's not okay for those nice things to have you. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a there's a verse that I'm going to quote here, which uh, may seem not financy on the surface, uh, but it, it's a very broad application. And Paul is talking to the Romans here. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his yeah. good, pleasing, and perfect will. So if you're, if you're praying about your finances and you're using your finances um, as and seeing those as a blessing from God and renewing our mind and not swimming in the cultural river of instant gratification right. consumerism, then uh, I, I think you're going to be much uh, going to be on the right track, you know, to, to budgeting and all of those types of things. You know, my uh, my experience comes more from the the psychological perspective of instant gratification because you know obviously that's what I'm I'm studying right now and the the dopamine reward system oh, yeah. is is just a really really difficult thing it's it's like no wonder people get themselves into tough situations that they feel like there's no mm-hmm. way to get out oh, of yeah. and I think that the realization that my money is not my own. My time is not my own. Mm-hmm. My talents are not my own. But these are things to like, kind of for me to kind of be a conduit of of the love of God, the right. ground of all being. That's a really good way to think about this stuff. And and like you said, to let things easily come and easily go mm-hmm. from from you. I'm not moved by these things. Yeah, it's it's great to have nice things, and I certainly right. go more toward a, a minimalist sort of understanding of, of this sort of thing. I'd rather have a few nice things that I love mm-hmm. that, that really are, are the things that, that help me to, to find satisfaction sure. in apparel or like I have a, I have a nice bike and that, that helps me to remember, Hey, I can like bike to work instead of, <laughs> instead of driving a car and, and having to be like at the whim of this very, very fluctuating gas price sort of thing that we're in. Uh, I don't feel guilty about that. I honestly feel like that's a, a pretty good way to like yeah. force myself to exercise as well. Yep. Thus thinking, okay, my body's a temple. I can treat it by one by like, right making it work to to get to yes. my occupation you know mm-hmm. these sorts of things it's it's very easy to see once we find the why if the why is compelling how and what are just side things i i can give away this this sort of thing so so once i i really think that you know i'm all in that that this this christian thing is is worth it mm-hmm. then we go through the more arduous work but 
altogether easier work of, okay, so how do I go about living? And this is going to mean major changes for me, but it's it's going to be worth it. Right. Yeah. I think it's really, what's really interesting throughout scripture is um, there's such a, a broad um, diversity of, of finance. So you have, you know, the woman who has nearly nothing. And then we also can read about Abraham who has all kinds of lives. I mean, and Solomon, and Solomon is like yeah. ridiculously wealthy, right? So I think that um, in some ways, I think it's it's kind of the um, easier thing to just completely say all money is bad because it's a difficult thing to deal with. It is a difficult thing um, to kind of to kind of you know bring another thing to the Lord and be like, okay. So how do you want me to do this? And I think that it is and can be, you know, a really difficult conversation to have with the Lord. But I think that um, it's necessary. I think that that is something that can help build us um, in terms of how we look at finances. It's actually spending time with the Lord and being like, okay, what are you asking me to do? I'm just going to use an example, kind of like my spending evolution, if you will. Um, I used to buy ridiculous things that I didn't need because I had nothing to do that has, that really has less to do with money and has a lot more to do with me being discontent. Right. Mm, And so I think that like over time, I feel like I have felt more peace um, and just more contentment in the Lord. And that's kind of also helped me financially. But I think that I had this false assumption that just like, buying things would make me happy. And then I think also um, that I used to buy like $5 shirts. I'm like, wow, this is cheap. And then upon actually realizing why things are cheap, you know, that there are people that are not being paid a living wage and in ridiculous, ridiculous working conditions. And that was like, that wasn't something I like learned or sorry, the the not buying those things wasn't something that just like over time I got better. It was like instantaneously. I was like, yeah, I'm not doing that anymore because it was just, it's kind of those realizations and those things can happen, you know, with, with money where sometimes it is like this slow growth kind of thing, like where I started kind of reining myself in and saying, okay, obviously, you know, I want to go to Walmart right now. I lived in a tiny town. Like all we had was Walmart, but I want to go to Walmart right now. And then it was immediately, well, why do you want to go to Walmart? Like, are you just discontent looking for something to do, not feeling at peace with yourself, feeling, you know, X, Y, and Z? Or is it because you legitimately need something? And I think that Jordan and I both worked in banking. If you ever want to see the emotional grip that money has on people, Mm. work as a teller. I mean, I got yelled at being a teller because people overdrafts overdrafts. Mm -hmm. It was my fault, all kinds of things. Money is so emotional. And I think that that's why it can be really hard, even as a follower of Jesus to have that. We, we want to have that, those tight fists on our money. And it's really difficult to kind of pry your fingers, you know, back one by one. But I think it's those kinds of things. As you let, go of, you know, I need to have this thing. I need to have that thing. I earned this money. As you let go of those things, the only other route for, for that money to go is back to others. And, and I think that as you grow and relax in having those open hands, it's, I've known multiple, Jordan can tell, this is probably my biggest pet peeve in, of anything. I hate when people um, give under like the guise of being generous, but then, you know, days, weeks, months later, you find out that they had some kind of expectation on you to, you know, whatever you were going to do with those funds. So do you want to help me with this project or what? And now they feel under compulsion or something. Well, and I think also kind of tying in similarly to this is what I was thinking of earlier when Nathan was talking about, um, you know, people that are people that are struggling or, you know, I, I've often heard from many people, well, I'm not going to give money to this homeless person because they're probably going to buy drugs or alcohol with it. 
one, you don't know what they're going to do with it. Two, I've had this conversation with Jordan multiple times where I'm, I'm a firm believer that like, if the Lord is calling you to do that, you're responsible for your part. You're not responsible for their part. So if, if the Lord is calling you to be generous, be generous no expectations on what's going to happen. And that's really difficult to do with money because I think often, um, I think often there, there are contingencies when it comes to money. Mm -hmm. And then if you are ever in a situation where you're able to just bless someone and there are no contingencies, it's freeing for you. It's freeing for them. If they even know that that money is from you at all. And I think that there's just, there's just something about it that's just like, okay, I don't have to worry about this. It wasn't mine to begin with. It's it's now theirs to do with what they're going to do. And I mean, the Lord can direct them and move them. And I don't I don't have to say anything about it. Yeah. Right. And 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 it brings us to the B word of budgeting, right? Like right. like <laughs> really all budgeting is is being proactive with your money and not reactive. Yeah. Right? Budgeting isn't about restricting what you can spend. It also gives you permission to spend in some areas without guilt or regret after the fact. Mm-hmm. Right? So in order to overcome my kind of stingy tendencies, uh, when we first got married, Natalie and I started budgeting monthly for benevolence, right? Which is uh, we set aside uh, to meet the needs of those that we see around us. Yeah. Um, um, this has helped me and kind of took me in the baby steps of becoming uh, less stingy <laughs> yeah. uh, because wow. I need that money. Uh, like I've already seen that money as spent, right? And it has somebody else's name on it. I just don't know who that person is yet. Yeah. Um, and so that that kind of rewired me to see that opportunity to bless someone, um, an organization, a missionary, you know, on and on. Uh, so mm. now here's a caution with that approach, though. Sometimes you get stuck in this structure, which I do, um, and then. And, you know, that like you kind of, God sometimes calls you to go above and beyond what's in that yeah. sitting in that benevolence account, right? Yeah. You're going to, you're going to have to dip into car savings. You're going to dip into other things because like, I, I feel like God's calling us to do more. Yeah. Um, and I, and so it's, you know, I, I think the idea is it's just a good practice for if any of you are new to giving, it's kind of quite, quite addicting really is, is to have that name out there, you know, that it's, that it's a separate dollar amount and you can give it because you've already spent it in your mind. Yeah. Right. Um, I think that that's, that's, a, that's a good structure, I think, to kind of get you yeah. um, to, to give, give yourself permission to spend in that way. Um, in my opinion, uh, successful budgeters find it easier to demonstrate the fruits of the spirit. As you said, I mean, like obviously creating a budget is pulling back on personal spending habits. It shows self-control, but having control of our finances reduces anxiety, which tends to result in more joy, right? (laughs) And then if you really want to stretch it and not, and not get any loans and saving up for a car gives you opportunities to uh, exercise patience, right? You know, all of these things. So all that to say money is a powerful tool that God can bless us with. So use it wisely and give it generously. I have so many like, longer conversations <laughs> that I think are are so helpful. But in, instead of that, I have two questions. One of them is more logistic mm-hmm. and one of them is more um, teleologic or purposeful. Um, to Before I ask the purposeful one, because this is the one that I want to end on, um, if, if someone is like, I'm in, you've convinced me, what are some resources for, for people to, to get with like tithing or, or budgeting or really gaining, gaining that consciousness of, of their spending habits, what what would you suggest to them? So what I would do is I would just start with your bank statement, pull it up, bring up your credit card statements, go through and, and tally up what did I spend on restaurants? What did I spend on my groceries? What did I spend on entertainment? And then say, how much did I give away? Those percentages in themselves, again, are telling of your values. Um, I think that can kind of be a reality check a little bit and say, where is my heart actually? You know, like, and and I guess I guess it's kind of a temperature check and it's a wellness check on your on your um, your relationship with money at that point. I'm I'm fairly certain that Dave Ramsey, who is a a fairly common figure Uh within Christian discourse, has a an app called Every Dollar that can sync with your. that can actually sync with your bank account it, to, yeah. to show you. It can um, that that costs money okay. for it to sync with your with your 
Transa- uh, I think it only will go account. to your mm-hmm. bank account. It yeah. won't. It won't work with your credit cards. Yeah, he's we not too the, much of a no. fan of credit. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, we do use that app. Um, so every dollar would be a good resource. You can use it for free. You just have to put in all of your own transactions, yep. which. I would say if you're starting out with a budget is probably the better option anyways, um, because there's that more tangible thing of grabbing a receipt saying, oh, wow, I spent $75 at the grocery store on nothing that I needed or whatever. Um, And then I know Mint is another one. Um, I used Mint for a while. Mint is nice because you can pull in your credit cards and yeah. everything like that. And a lot of folks that do like TurboTax, mm-hmm. Mint is an automatic yep. sort of yep. thing. These are not endorsements. We're not <laughs> asking these people for money. They're not being paid. I just think that this is, it's sort of like, it, it lowers the activation energy, yep. you know? And, and with all of these categories that you're talking about, you don't have to like make hard and fast rules. Sometimes right. you can be like, okay, we're just going to lump this in, right. okay? This is just, it's less about is my cat am i doing this perfectly and more am i gaining consciousness about where my heart is in regards to money like money's kind of a means to an end is what i'm hearing Mm -hmm. um so i think for jordan and i people might be like oh they're on this podcast so they must just know exactly you know whatever we talk about finances we have a we have a meeting every month yeah um at the end of the month we have kind of rough guardrails for a lot of things but then there are other things where um yeah we have conversations we have conversations about money a lot and um you know if if um one of us has extra income that comes in that month we're like okay what are we doing with this because it's it's not a hard and fast black and white kind of thing and especially when we're trying to steward it well we we have had conversations where we're like are we spending too much money in this category? Yeah. I you know, I don't think that it's necessary for us to spend that much. I'm scared that if we continue to spend that much, we're just going to want to spend more and that doesn't line up with like the ethos of our family. Right. Yeah. Well, that's so good. It's so good. It, it reminds me of this concept of a rule of life that we've mm-hmm. talked yeah. about on the podcast before. It's not these like rules of life where you're going to be punished if you break the rule, right. Right. but it's dynamic. It's contextual. It it says, it, it leaves this room for flexibility. For example, you know, Margaret lost her job, my wife, for those who don't know, um, lost her job at the beginning of the summer. And we really had to buckle down because uh, you know my my salary does not cover an entire family i mean it can mm-hmm. obviously we survived with <laughs> with the work that we we'd already done but but that was a, a different season of like what it meant to be faithful with finance yeah. and that meant that frivolous spending that i wanted to do kind of like took a took a back burner mm-hmm. and and that's okay it's right. not that I'm going to demonize myself forever for right. wanting things. Right. It's just like, you know, it can wait. Yep. There are far more pertinent things uh, that can do. So I think that those are really great, like foot, a foot in the door, that kind of thing. And then just like be encouraged to reach out Yeah. because there are obviously people in our church that are passionate about helping people find what I would call financial consciousness, mm-hmm. less less than, you know, freedom because it's not really our our money as as we've sure. talked about it but but we want to be really aware of what our money is saying yeah and and this is my this kind of leads into my last question is like what's the big why for you why has this become such a passion for you what what has has brought you uh, a greater feeling of purpose within the Christian tradition in terms of finances like why is it why is this something that you're m- making courses for our church to go through, so obviously you you really care about this kind of stuff. So what's the what's it about? What's the 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 ultimate goal? I think for sure uh, on on my front, um, when I was growing up, my parents uh, were I would say upper middle class. Um, they did did pretty well for myself. My dad was in the oil industry, um, doing really well for himself, um, and they were about to go build themselves a brand new home um, and all of this stuff. Kind of before they had all of the finances in order to do so, they just expected this income to continue. 
Unfortunately, that was in the 80s when the oil industry fell out from under itself, right? And so now uh, they were stuck with a home that was twice as much as the ex- twice as expensive as I thought it was going to be. Um, and my mom had spent way too much time that they didn't want to back out now. Um, and so they stayed in that home for 14 years, living on credit cards, putting it like basically they just became so stressed with finances that I felt that it was palpable to me as a seven-year-old about how much how much stress they were under um, and and really kind of how irresponsible they were being at their finances like looking back and they'll admit it now right uh, yeah. like that they they were always had car payments a bit a big mortgage you know all of these things and so I felt the stress I'm also a bank examiner so I look at a lot of really bad loans yeah. <laughs> I see yeah. people go bankrupt I see you know I, I yeah. see these 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 situations blow up on themselves when they don't save in the good times, right? And then they kind of just keep spending however they want to just because the income keeps coming. But unfortunately, that faucet shuts off sometimes. So I think that's why I'm passionate about it. But Natalie kind of has a little bit of a different picture. Um, I think that I am... um, I'm someone by nature. I think that when I first got a job, I just automatically started spending a lot. And I think that I, um, I have felt myself and just like, um, as I've grown and spiritually matured, life is about so much more than things and more than possessions and more than the amount of money, um, that you have. But I also think that I've realized my mom actually used to get, I used to spend all the time on myself but I also spend all the time on other people. And my mom at one point was like, look, girl, you're looking to go to college and you're, you spent a lot of money on your friends. And so I do have a natural tendency also to bless others. Um, but I think that there's so much freedom that comes with, um, with kind of financial independence, if, if that's what you want or yeah, financial independence. Um, and just having, having budgets, it, for me, it's less about having a budget. I don't want you to have a budget so that you know where every single penny of your money is going. I could care much less about that. I want you to experience the freedom of being able to bless someone. Like I remember my parents were, we did not have a lot of money, but they still would go out of their way to be generous to other people. And um, they spent time around generous people. One of my favorite, I'll, I'll share two of my favorite stories. My dad actually went to Bible college and he had a friend that was from a, a wealthy family. And um, part of of their curriculum, I guess, was going and spending time at uh, homeless shelters in Colorado Springs. And this particular friend, my dad always tells this story about how generous he was all the time. And like his family had a lot of money to be able to, to do that. And so, um, he would cater in Olive Garden to the homeless shelter and like everyone would sit down and have this nice, you know, delicious meal. Um, so that's kind of a story that I grew up with of, I'm like, Oh, you know, there's someone that I know that's pretty wealthy. That's kind of, they seem to be doing it right in my head. And of course I'm like five and I'm like, well, that was like really, I, I just identified everything as nice or not nice, you know, but I remember that. And that stuck with me because I'm like, you know, being a broke college student and then getting a full-time job and then having those conversations with, with myself and then with Jordan, as we got married, like, okay, how do, how do we steward this? Like, what do we do with this? And it's very different being a broke college student, getting a full-time job or salary it doesn't, I mean, $10,000 more a year is a lot more money a year. Like, I'm not even saying you have to, you know, earn 50000 more than than being a broke college student, but there's, I, I felt kind of the weightiness of that. And then I think also the story I was going to tell, um, we didn't have a lot of uh, money growing up. And during one particular season of my life, my dad was a senior pastor not making like much at all. And my parents will, we had a conversation this past week and he's like, I still can't believe that like we made that work. And yet I still remember that we had gotten a Toyota Camry or something like that, like a stick shift or something. And when we moved, my parents gave that car to someone else that needed it. And so I just, I feel like I grew up and kind of saw the kind of pendulum swing of, of income, but still saw the heart of generosity. And so I don't want, 
people to stay in debt or keep, you know, purchasing things that that they don't need in order to fill a void when they could be blessing other people and um, not being stressed about blessing other people. Because I think I've been in that situation as well. So it's, um, yeah, less about the penny pinching and more about being able to truly have those open hands because you know that um, you're provided for. Yeah. And I imagine a community full of people of varying backgrounds, varying amounts of, of money, being able to give generously and not to worry because not only are they secure in themselves, but they're secure in their community. They're secure in the God who brings them together. It seems like a place that I want to be a part of and I want to make space. There's lots of people who are probably near the, the end of, of their lives or their working lives that are trying to figure out how to retire and to make things work in, in a very unstable, it, it feels very unstable to me. I'm not (laughs) terribly financial literate, (laughs) um, but like they're, they're trying to figure out how to do that and, and to continue to be faithful in, in the way that they, um, they organize their lives, and then we have people all the way down to the the broke college students who are trying to figure out. I can barely eat yeah. something that is right. not killing me yeah. simultaneously. Yes. <laughs> so, like, how do how do I do this? But sure. but there's room for everyone at this table, yes. and mm-hmm. and to to practice generosity in turn makes us really examine ourselves for who we are and how we. Are, and who we are becoming, yeah. and and those are the more important questions to me. Is yeah. like who who am I becoming, and I want to I want to more than like oh this person has lots of money or uses money well. I want to be known as a generous person, a right. kind yeah. person, someone and who obedient. and it doesn't necessarily mean that it needs to be financial, but like what a cool avenue if that's another way that I can contribute. So yeah. um, I really want to thank you for your time. I like. I said I could like make this into an entire podcast season based on everything that's here. Um, but uh, we'll leave it here. I think this is a, a good place to stop. So thank you for your time. I thank, you. thank you. Yeah.